Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. You know, you're trying to go talk to the town. Oh, this is going to be good. I'm Michelle Maju. And I'm Kate Maju. And we're married to each other. And this is the Ball Blast NFL Podcast. Each episode, we will feature the latest top news in the NFL and what it means for fantasy football, sports betting, and you, the NFL fan. Hey, yo. Welcome into the Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Majuk, researcher at NFL Network and fantasy analyst on NFL.com. And I'm joined by my lovely wife, Kate Majuk. She does so much stuff, I can't even name it all, but fantasy analyst for PFF, Yahoo. Yeah. Uh, Managing editor over at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com on SB Nation. Just killing it over there. We are heading into week 14 of the fantasy season. That means hopefully you're still in the running for your playoffs. And if you're listening to this, you probably are, which is a good thing. This is probably the last week of the regular season in your fantasy league. So you like if you're not in yet, there is still time unless, of course, you've been eliminated. But (laughs) but there is time, folks. Like, don't give up just because it seems super, super unlikely. Like tiebreakers and, and also it's all always that fun jazz. to like kick someone else out you know like even oh, if you're yeah. eliminated but someone needs to beat you to get in like, oh i love play playing spoiler, spoiler. Yeah. it'll be so much fun but hopefully you're just competing for a playoff spot maybe you even already have it locked up and you just want to hear some football talk and you don't have to be all stressed out this week but we'll go through all of our positional rankings as we normally do starting right up at the top at the quarterbacks I will say, I did not enjoy ranking quarterbacks this week. No, it feels like the good ones are pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the bad ones are pretty bad. The and middling it, ones have a lot of bad matchups. Yeah. It, like, it, it, I do think that the list of quarterbacks this week and just their respective matchups, all of that is going to make it a challenge to find a stream-worthy quarterback. And – Luckily, like most of the buys, this is the the last week for buys. And there's Uh only Kyler Murray and Sam Hall on buys at quarterback. So, Which is unfortunate because those are probably some quarterbacks you grab midseason if you needed quarterbacks. And then they came up, snuck up on you with a buy. I will say we have the exact same top eight. Now in a different order, but the same quarterbacks within those top eight. So obviously Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Every week you plug them in and you're extremely happy. Actually, I like I feel like we probably need to rewind. <laughs> Dak Prescott is our consensus QB one this week. Because he should be every week. It's I think it's very noteworthy though, because there are a lot of people that maybe I'm fine with Josh Allen being number one too. I normally have Josh Allen as my QB one. He is on the year. Josh Allen's still the quarterback one on the year. uh, Jalen Hurts is still the quarterback two, but Dak Prescott, like every single week now since week six. Since week six, he has finished as a top five quarterback in all but one game. That is nuts. He's incredibly safe, and he gets the Eagles secondary this week, and they just get eaten up alive every single week. So if you have Dak Prescott, you are welcome for your 40 fantasy points this week. Be happy with that. After those top three guys, we both have Tua Tagovailoa. Hi, you have him at three. I am at four. He's home against an easier matchup against the Titans. Yeah, plug him in. Brock Purdy, love him. Keep plugging him in at home. Brock Purdy's amazing. And he's been amazing even in some road games this year. But at home, he's super safe. Love the matchup against Seahawks. Patrick Mahomes, we'll get into him, but we still have him ranked inside the top eight. Lamar Jackson has not been consistent in the slightest, but against the Rams, we still have him top eight. And then to round out our top eight here is Justin Fields. I know before the Bears buy, they played the Vikings, and it was ugly, right? He didn't even hit 11 fantasy points, but now he gets the Lions, who he scored 21 fantasy points against in Week 11, and we're feeling okay about him this week. 
yeah, Andy's at home. Like, I, I think this is a fine spot. Now, we could talk about what being at Soldier Field will do for the other side. Yeah. But I, I feel pretty confident in Justin Fields. I feel like, I, I don't know, there's not much of a question mark for me. It, you know, this is going to be a familiar environment. It's a, a home game. I just, I, I trust, I trust the process. I trust his ability as a rusher. And we already said it at the top of the show, the middling quarterbacks here, there's nobody that pops up as like a must stream matchup. Yeah. You either have a top guy or you don't. And that kind of leaves me with Justin Fields at quarterback. It's a a great matchup. The lines are allowing the fourth most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks this year. He put up 104 rushing yards against them in week 11. He should be fine. But talking about, let's jump to the other side of that game. It's Jared Goff, and he has to go to Chicago. We know that Jared Goff is much better in a dome. Yeah. He just is. And when he has to play outside, especially in the cold, it's not the best for him. Now, it's not supposed to be terrible weather, 37 degrees, partly cloudy, right? That's a little cold for Jared. It is cold for Jared Goff, who's a California boy at heart for sure. He's now played 11 games outdoors since the start of last year, and he's averaged just 14 fantasy points per game in those games. And that's including all outdoor games, not just the cold ones, right? But Goff has played seven outdoor games in December slash January in the regular season since 2020, and he only scored more than 15 fantasy points in one of those seven games. So this is not like the bare secondary suffering where you can beat them, but... In Chicago, is not the best of matchups for him. It's just risky. I don't have him buried. I have him at quarterback 13. You have him at quarterback 12. It's just we don't have super high expectations for him this week. No, and again, just with the current landscape, like there's not a ton of quarterbacks out there that you're going to sit for Jared Goff or, or like play over Jared Goff in order to sit Jared Goff. You know the upside's tremendous. We finally start to see Jamison Williams get going a little bit. So, like, there are things working in the Lions' favor. And the Lions' offense is far too good to fade. It's just you've got to temper those expectations big time. Would you rather go with Jordan Love against the Giants? So Jordan Love has been a top – he's finished as a quarterback seven last week, the quarterback five the week before that. And the only reason he was down at seven this past week is because so many quarterbacks went off, including Jake Browning. <laughs> yeah. Like, so it pushed him down a little bit. But he's still – I mean, he's been fantastic. He's been a top 12 quarterback now in four straight weeks. I do think the Giants matchup is a bit easier than the Bears one. I guess Jordan Love is just more used to playing outdoors, right, in the cold because he's used to Lambo. I kind of like Jordan Love a little bit better, and that scares me. I'm a little bit (laughs) – the only reason I would be hesitant about Jordan Love this week is because Christian Watson is – I mean, I guess we don't know yet if he's going to play or not, but – he seemed like that hamstring injury was like for real, for real when he during the game. I mean, but Jordan Love, it, like first three weeks of the season, Christian Watson was out. He had two top seven finishes, including mm-hmm. he finishes the quarterback three in week one. Now, if you're actually looking in terms of upside versus floor, Jordan Love has had kind of similar upside to Jared Goff, two top five finishes this season. Um, and his floor has been a little bit safer. He's never finished as, uh, you know, QB 20 or worse. Jared Goff has a, a three such finishes. You look and I don't know, maybe Jordan Love is, is the yeah, guy. I think I'm fine. I think I'm fine with that. I think I'd play I Jordan think, Love over I, Jared Goff. I won't be surprised if they finish pretty closely. Now let's jump back up to two guys that are supposed to be amazing, but mm-hmm. haven't been. As Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. So Justin Herbert, I'm used to this. He does it every year. He has huge games and then just falls apart and just disappears and ghosts you. Last week was an absolute disaster. The entire Chargers put up six total points. <laughs> so that was against the Patriots. It's a nicer matchup against the Broncos this week, but it is a divisional game. And we know the Broncos secondary has gotten better. I'm worried about Justin Herbert moving forward. It just his weapons and the play calling. It's just it's not really looking too great. But what's going on with Patrick Mahomes? I mean, the last five weeks finishes the quarterback 29, 11, 15, 9 and 16. 
that's not the Patrick Mahomes we're looking for. Like that's not that's not okay with where you drafted him. No, definitely not paying off in terms of that upside, which I mean, yeah, considering the draft capital, that that very much hurts. But I think that's kind of the Chiefs offense at this point, right? Like I, I know Kelsey had a, a solid week thirteen. You you love to see him getting some yardage, but I do think it, like Travis Kelsey looks a little bit less explosive, a little less oomph. And you look at Rashi Rice, very exciting, but we all get slower and a little chubbier and a little less athletic. I mean, like we're start dating someone, you know. Yeah, you can he's, content. He's in a happy relationship with a symptom girl. number one of a happy relationship. You slow down a little yeah. bit. Taylor Swift has him losing track here. Yeah, and you know what? You know, I, who wouldn't lose track if they were dating Taylor Swift? Yeah, I mean, I mean she's come on. You can't blame him. Time Magazine's Person of the Year. Congrats, Taylor. We should do a Taylor Swift podcast. Oh, God. We'd be so good at that. <laughs> we really would. All right. We'd be so good. <laughs> um, but on the real, though, like Travis Kelsey, he just looks a, a little bit slower. He looks a little bit less like the Travis Kelsey that we've seen in the last two years. You look at Mahomes and like I, I've said this before. It really feels like the Chiefs looked at Patrick Mahomes this year and they had some it wasn't a great free agency class in terms of the wide receiver position, but in terms of like their lack of making a move, it kind of looks like they looked at Travis or, or Travis Kelsey. They looked at Patrick Mahomes and they're like, they should be able to figure it out. I mean, they did last year. They won. The and they Super did Bowl. figure it out, but like, there's only so much you yeah. can put on their say, shoulders. Rasheed Rice is coming along. They, he, this is what Mahomes has to stop doing. Stop passing to Justin Watson every five seconds, and you'll be fine. That is but the problem. I do think in this matchup against the Bills, it should be a higher-scoring matchup. The Bills are desperate to win. Like, they have to put up points. They have to win this game. And with all the injuries on the Bills' defensive side, Mahomes should be able to do something. So, obviously, you're never going to sit Mahomes. Like that's not, You drafted him so high A, and you're just going to keep playing him because you know the upside he does have. But I am starting to get a little bit worried. And with Justin Herbert, I, I am just already there. I was worried when he was – after he finished quarterback two and three in those two just a few weeks ago, actually. I was worried after that because his schedule got really hard. And Justin Herbert in hard games or even mediocre games, like average games, he doesn't perform in fantasy. That's actually – so that was – a point that I made uh, just this past week on my panic or antic column uh, pops up every Tuesday at pro football focus discussed a little bit of the Justin Herbert variances. And it does feel like if you are deciding between Justin Herbert, who I know is an elite talent on the field, he is a very productive quarterback. If you are deciding between him and a viable streamer, it seems like the tiebreaker is, is Justin Herbert in a plus matchup? If so, you can play him. If not, you probably shouldn't. And like I, I that defies all logic for a good quarterback. But hopefully, that's people where we're read at. My NFL.com article. Shameless sell, plugs today. Yeah, yeah, I know the sell high because after those two big performances from him, I said to sell him, and I just I did that because I had him in multiple leagues. I sold Herbert. Straight up for Brock Purdy in multiple leagues, and I am it's very happy. Pretty good. I am very happy about that trade. Pretty All right, let's good. move on to uh, another quarterback with a terrible matchup this week. So CJ Stroud, rookie sensation, killing it for fantasy. I mean, he's had a couple down weeks over the last three weeks. Um, he had a quarterback three finish in there overall, so fantastic. But that sandwich in between being quarterback fourteen and quarterback fifteen on the week, now he has to go to the New York Jets and. The Jets are allowing just 13 fantasy points per game to quarterbacks this season. This is also an outdoor game in the north uh, in December. Now, it's actually not supposed to be cold. Only 60 degrees. It's amazing up north. In wow. In but December in but it's even global more, warming. I would man. rather it be cold, though, because there's a very high chance of rain. I would rather it be cold than rainy. So you're going to add a very high chance of rain in this game. And then also the Jets secondary. And that makes me extremely nervous to start CJ Stroud. But can you sit him? I don't know. I don't know if you can necessarily sit him, but this is probably an instant. Like, again, there's just no, like, there's no matchups that I'm just itching to Jordan to Love target. or CJ Stroud? Jordan Love, okay. easily. 
for me. If you're saying that, Ben, I, I do think. That- uh, so CJ Stroud, you look at the upside. Obviously, it's been very high. He just lost Tank Dell for the season. Mm-hmm. Oh, that literally kills my soul. Uh, was having such a great such a great season with CJ Stroud, but yeah, you look that's at a worry. That's that's, that's like a big main, concern. That's his main guy. I mean, I know Nico Collins has huge games, and he will continue to have huge games. But Tank is who he goes to in those like really big situations and gets him out of those. You know, when he's scrambling, Tank's gonna be a big. That's a huge loss, yeah. and it, so you look at CJ Stroud. Not only does he lose his top receiving option, he also like. You look at the home road splits for C.J. Stroud, and they're pretty significant. I mean, you know, lower passer rating, um, you know, almost two fewer pass attempts or pass yards per attempt uh, when he's on the road, averaging almost 75 pass yards per game fewer on the road than at home. Touchdown rate just plummets to 2.5%. Like, he only has four passing touchdowns on the road this year. His splits are concerning. Yeah, yeah I don't want to play CJ Stroud this week. It, it stinks because he's so good, uh, but I really don't want to play him. Now let's talk about streamers then because if you, you're going to maybe have to pick someone up to play over these guys with tough matchups. So give me one that you would choose out of these three guys. Joshua Jobs against the Raiders, Jake Browning against the Colts, or Jameis Winston against the Panthers. Or we can even throw in Gardner Menchu against the the Bengals in that same game with Jake Browning. Out of these three, I'm hands down going Josh Dobbs. Like you, yeah. You look at Josh Dobbs and the fact that he's coming off this four interception game. It was absolutely dreadful. But prior to that, I mean, he's been just a treasure trove of production, just across the board been really safe and a big part of that has been his production as a rusher just I I mean I don't I I don't think he you know is a guy you can necessarily afford to sit I'd probably and this is my maybe this should be my bold take of the week I think I'd prefer Dobbs over CJ Stroud this week it's close it it is close you know the Raiders aren't and I'm gonna eat my words the Raiders aren't the easiest of secondaries, but they do allow a lot of rushing yards, which is, again, what you said Dobbs has been excelling at. Bread and, and butter. I mean, pretty much every week he scores a rushing touchdown. So I'm with you. I like Dobbs out of this group. Jake Browning, I mean, it's a nice matchup against the Colts. It's just what we saw on Monday night is that actually going to be him. It's a, it's a risky play, right, Jake? I mean, he was fantastic for fantasy. Scored 27 fantasy points. Absurd. And Jameis Winston, I don't love the matchup against the Panthers. And you never know if he's going to throw four picks or four touchdowns. It's, it's real. It's real risky. <laughs> you're you're definitely rolling the dice every time you you lay out. And I I love Jameis Winston. Like for the prospects of everybody in this offense, I think he's the better quarterback. I think he should be the full time starter. Oh, period. Yeah. He's easily better than Dark. And uh, you know, I I don't really understand the the dynamics there, but you and know. like I don't even understand because Derek Carr has so many turnovers in his career in this year. So he offers the same thing as Winston with the turnovers. Yet he's not nearly as like can make insane plays as Winston can. No, I I don't I don't understand. He doesn't offer you anything. All he's doing is losing you games in the easiest division of all time. It would be a straight-up embarrassment if the Saints don't win the division this this year. Hey, I called. I I called the Falcons, baby. I know, but the Falcons are so bad, too. Leave us alone. Arthur Smith is just (laughs) garbage. All right, let's move on to the running backs. Obviously, at the top, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara. Let's just keep them up there, right? Uh, Justy, Christian McCaffrey, just running back one every single week. After that, of course... We have our boy, Zach Moss. Now, I will say I have Travis Etienne at three ahead of Zach Moss. I have Zach Moss at four. You have Zach Moss at three. People might think that's crazy, but if you go and look at these running backs rankings, I mean, a lot of them have hard matchups again, or they're just middle-of-the-pack guys. So I, I think this this ranking for Zach Moss is fair. I know he disappointed last week against the Titans, but he got 19 carries. And also, he got a lot of work around the goal line, and there was just – he, like, it was barely, just a bad game. It, it, yeah. It, in some ways it was a bad game, but also like he got t- taken down at the inch line and then Gardner Minshew, you know, threw the, threw a touchdown or got the touchdown. Like 
there was multiple times where he could have he was right at the edge of having a monster like two touchdown game but instead didn't have any and it wasn't good but against uh the Bengals, the Bengals are allowing the fifth most rushing yards per carry to running backs this year have allowed 10 rushing touchdowns to running backs tied for six most so love this matchup for him and don't be scared off of last week you think like he's one of the safer guys he played 94 yeah. percent of offensive snaps yeah Good God. Yeah, you play running backs that are on the field 95% of the time. Yeah. 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 And then <laughs> after that, Joe Mixon went off last week. Now, I did not think Joe Mixon was going to have a good game against the Jaguars. No, mm -mm. I also didn't know Jake Browning was going to turn into uh, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. One of those guys. Yeah. And it was the Joe Mixon show. It was this, the Bengals offense killing it. And I... You just keep plugging him in. It's a really nice matchup against the Colts. So you play both of those running backs in that matchup. Colts versus the They Bengals. should just run the ball 100 times in this yeah, game. They really should. Now let's talk about Devin A. Chan. He comes back last week. Yeah. Very quietly, by the way. I feel like it wasn't even like barely announced that mm -mm. he's coming back. Because he, you know, he came back from being on IR. And then he gets hurt right away. And then he misses another game. And then he comes back last week. And for a while, it's just Raheem Mostert, Raheem Mostert, Raheem Mostert. But then Boom. the Dolphins take a huge lead on the Commanders pretty early. And A-Chan comes in and does what he always does. Just so many huge plays and two touchdowns. Like, he's a touchdown scoring machine. He has finished as a top five fantasy running back in every game that he's actually played. That's nuts. So I'm not counting the first game of his career because he had run rushing attempt and played no snaps. And then I'm not counting the game that he came back and played like one snap before getting re-injured. So just the games that he actually got working, any work, he has finished as a top five fantasy running back. He has one more top five finish than Alvin Kamara has top 10 fantasy finishes this season. Wow. He's just, you, you, do I, it. I, you know that it can't last forever. But I have him all the way up at, oh my goodness. I only have him at running back 13. I'm going to end up moving him up. I have him higher. Yeah, you have him at running back 9. I'm going to end up moving him up. But so here's the thing. Plug him he, in. he, like, coming back from the injury, played 61% of offensive snaps. That is a season high, career high, if you will. Um, I know, you know, Raheem Mostert got some early work, but you saw Achan totaled 20 touches on the day, 103 yards, two touchdowns. Mostert dropped down to a season low, 38% of snaps. Both of them split carries inside the five. I just think like there is a trend moving in the I direction. Say it was almost dirt until they got a huge lead. But I do think it was very promising to see Achan being used in a game that they had a blowout, knowing his like so clearly they're not worried. Clearly about he's healthy. Yes. Yeah. So that's good. And I think him showing his abilities again after coming back from IR and showing that he can stay healthy with these touches. I think he will come back in and share those snaps right away with Mostert. But Mostert's still in every week play as well because all he does is score touchdowns. Mm -hmm. That's all he does. So both of these guys, A-Chan and Mostert, you play them both. Obviously, A-Chan has a higher ceiling because all he does is score 20-plus fantasy points every week. When but you have a 50 fantasy point performance in any given season, just in a single week, you you need to play more. Uh, yeah. But the, the issue is, like, A-Chan, he's a littler running back, so... You know, I get excited when I see, okay, he had 20 total touches. That's awesome. But maybe slow it down a little bit because I don't know. Like, he's already been banged up. Like, preseason, training camp, now this injury. Like, I maybe we need to slow it down because he only really needs, like, five touches, and he's probably going to have a, a 100 yards and two touchdowns. So, yep. Yeah. Another guy I really like, James Cook. And I don't normally like him. I'm normally against playing him. But this week, I really like him. I like his usage with the new offensive coordinator. That is key. Yes. It's a little bit less Latavius Murray uh, and all the other random running backs. They'd Still put in too Cook. much Latavius Murray yeah, in my it's, case. It's honestly, but... like his snaps haven't gone up. They've actually only gone down with this new OC. But his workload has increased so when he's on the field they're actually getting him the ball either as a rusher or he's getting a lot of targets so 100 plus scrimmage yards in three straight games 
Uh, the Chiefs are allowing 4.8 yards per carry to running backs this year, second most in the NFL behind only the Broncos. And the only reason why when you're on your app and it looked like the Chiefs are pretty good against fantasy running backs, right, they don't allow a lot of points because they don't allow a lot of touchdowns to running backs on the ground. Listen, James Cook's not going to score a rushing touchdown. If he does, like, that's just a huge cherry on the top. He's not going to score a rushing touchdown most likely. That's not what you're playing him for. You're playing him because he's explosive. He's going to get the volume. He's going to get the targets. And especially in a game against the Chiefs when you expect them to have to pass a lot, he's going to get the targets and maybe a receiving touchdown. But, like, I 20 not- touches in each of the last two games. Yeah. That is good. That's really good. I, I he's really so explosive, playing. too. Like, and you look at, like, maybe he's not going to get the goal line work. I think that's definitely firmly in Latavius Murray's purview. But when you're averaging, you know, at, what is he averaging at this point? Like, over five yards. Okay. Over five yards. per Like, he, and when you're watching him, it feels like every run goes for 10 plus. It He's so explosive that the good news is, like, sometimes it doesn't take quite as many touches for these kind of explosive backs to find the end zone. Cause maybe they break off a run it, you know, one misforced tackle and they might take it to the house. You never know. So you, you give me a, a nice little segue here because we're going to talk about two running backs on the same team, mm. but I just want to ask the audience who's listening a little trivia question. Ooh, I love trivia. We haven't played trivia in so long. Yeah, but you already know the answer to this. Okay. But we should play trivia more often. Yeah, we should, but I'm going to ask everybody who, which running back has the most runs in the NFL of 20 plus yards gained. Now there's three running backs. So you could be right with three different answers. They're tied with seven such rushes on the season. So one of them is Raheem Mostert. One of them is Jameer Gibbs. And I just want to give everyone like 10 seconds okay. to think. What should we do while they're boo, boo, doo, boo, doo, boo, doo, No, I'm doing like the Jeopardy thing. Yeah. Do, do, is that do, 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 do. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, you've had it long enough to think now, and you're not going to get it. It's Najee Harris. The amount of disrespect this man gets. He the, He's thought of this, like, plotter, like, the slow guy, like, Jalen Warren's everything, which, don't get me wrong, love me some Jalen Warren, and he is explosive. But it's Najee Harris who leads the NFL with 20-plus yard carries this year. He also has 11 carries of 15-plus yards, tied for third most in the NFL, behind only Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry. Like, he's doing his thing, and he's been really solid for fantasy for most of the last five weeks. Now, my biggest concern, he plays on Thursday Night Football. He's not practiced two, uh, two days this I'm week. I'm worried. Do you think he's going to play? What's wrong with him? Steelers expert? Knee injury. From when? So that, that's the thing. Like, looking at last week, he actually played a season-high snap percentage. Like, yeah. I don't I don't know what happened. But that's the thing about the Steelers too, is that they're very quiet. They're very hush hush. I feel like he's gonna play. I'm worried uh with the fact that you know, Jalen Warren It's is, a super tough matchup. The it's, Patriots it's are allowing the fewest yards per carry to running backs this year. I think I, I don't know. I'm concerned just based on the fact that this is not like this is not a a lingering injury this is a brand new injury they're on a short week i'm concerned do you think because i gave them a bigger workload they're just letting him rest i don't know because i i would have expected that practice at least so are you do you feel better about playing jalen warren than this week would you plug him in or are you just trying to stay away from both of these guys I'd rather stay away from both, but I think like Jalen Warren. I do think if Najee Harris is inactive, then Jalen, Jalen Warren, Warren becomes has to be a, a must play. Yeah. And it might not be good for him because I don't think him getting more workload turns into goodness. I think he's more the explosive back when you just give him like, you know, let him come in and spell. And I don't think running up the middle against this Patriots defense is going to be great for either of these guys. I don't think it's going to be an efficient matchup on yeah. either end. Now, I will say the other side of the ball, I really like Ezekiel Elliott in this matchup against the Steelers. I know the Steelers have been a bit better at stopping the run since Cam Hayward came back, but James Conner just made them look stupid last week. And you know Ezekiel Elliott, Ramondre Stevenson is out for this game officially, and he'll be out for a bit. But he got 17 carries last week, five targets, four receptions, 40 yards. Right, so I don't know if he's going to be efficient. He probably won't. But the Steelers aren't going to run up the score on the Patriots. So you expect them to run a ton. Ezekiel no, this score carries, is probably going to be 12 to 6. If we're lucky. All, all field goals. Yeah. 
But I, I like Ezekiel Elliott this week, and I do think if the Patriots do end up scoring a touchdown, which they scored zero points last week, I do think it would be Zeke that scores. I think that's fine, but the only team that has fewer red zone trips this year than the Steelers is the New England Patriots. Hey, so, so the Steelers took over somebody. They <laughs> finally, were, they were last for a very long time. Finally, but I like I will say so again. Going back to you know the the James Conner thing, like yes, the the Steelers have been better uh, at stopping the run, especially since the return of Cam Hayward. But you look at James Conner and what he did, and I think it kind of makes sense, right? Like you and I said this last week on our show that I expected this sort of like not not even a revenge game, but an they emotional off so return. Good against him though, like he wasn't doing anything, and then all of a sudden it was just he like, wears you down. Yeah. And Zeke can be that kind of running back that wears you down, but Zeke is an old man, and he is twenty eight years old. Um, you know, he's averaging three point eight yards per carry. You look at James Conner, also like not a spring chicken anymore, but has fewer touches on his body. And guess what? He's actually been really efficient this year. Like the he Cardinals is may be giving him that many carries every game because he's just good. And it's, it was really annoying, but I do, I think Ezekiel Elliott is a fine play this week. Like, cause we're going to talk, people are going to have to make tough decisions. Right. And I think Ezekiel Elliott is one of the better choices. So but Connor is average. Like you look at James uh, yeah. Connor again, averaging a career high 4.9 yards per attempt this year, which is amazing. And he was over five point zero before playing the Steelers. So it actually went down after playing the Steelers, but, but I, Ezekiel Elliott's not that guy. No, he's not, but I'm not, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm just not, saying, I'm not thinking gonna, he's going to be efficient. You're going to get like 20 touches and then yeah. you're going to go to bed sad. Maybe. And thus he gets a touchdown. That's what I'm saying. Okay. But I like, listen, I have him at running back 22. It's not like he's super high, but there's a lot of bad options out there. Like, so would you rather play a guy like Keaton Mitchell? He gets to play the Rams or Alexander Madison against the Raiders. This is the thing. Alexander Madison was my biggest miss of the year by far. I thought he was going to be amazing. I really did. I had him ranked way too high and he's done nothing. Uh, he hasn't even gotten to the end zone on the ground yet this year. The Raiders. Wow, yeah, he I doesn't have a rushing touchdown. That's a bad stat. He does have like three receiving touchdowns, but no rushing touchdowns. The Raiders are a really good defense to play against for running backs. So it's, it's enticing somewhat, but I just don't know. Or Keaton Mitchell, who does have the more explosiveness, which guy would you rather go with? Well, here's the thing. So I, I'm going to roll with Mitchell. Um, just from an, an overall sort of standpoint and trajectory for Keaton Mitchell versus Alexander Madison, before the, uh, the Vikings buy, right, you looked at the – I don't know, the conversations around the backfield. And it seemed like the consensus was that they wanted to get Ty Chandler more involved. And they they were planning on it. It didn't happen, right? It, it was a four-interception game. It was just – it was ugly. But you had a bye then. And then I, I think that's sort of that perfect time to sort of reevaluate your structure in terms of – snap percentage and and really formulate a game plan for how you're going to use these guys. Keaton Mitchell, on the other hand, logged his first career start in week 12. He led the the team uh, in terms of offensive snaps, touches, routes run. Like he has seen an increase in his snap share each of the last four weeks. Like mm -hmm. he's trending in the right direction. No, yeah, I, I think I like Keaton Mitchell more because at least you know he has huge upside. Alexander Madison really doesn't have any upside unless he happened to get into the end zone twice in this week, and that would be the first time. I he's feel like it'd be an season. accident. Yeah, if he did it, it. it would be really lucky, right? And I think with Keaton Mitchell, he just has the more, he's able to be explosive. So would you rather go Keaton Mitchell or Ezekiel Elliott? Keaton Mitchell, upside. I think I'm going Elliott, but I do. I think Keaton Mitchell's a fine, a fine flex play this week or RB two if you're really needing one, and I think that's fine. It, but again, it's always risky. You right? sound so excited about it. I know, I know. But man, the running backs are looking kind of gross this week as well. Grim, grim, grim. grim. You know, it's not looking gross as wide receivers. There mm. are plentiful. I mean, it was hard to rank them because I was like, I feel like I have these guys too low, but it's because so many are great on the top. So let's dig into that. So, of course, Tyreek Hill, CeeDee Lamb, Amon Ross St. Brown, Keenan Allen, Stephon Diggs, all amazing plays. Spicy. Right? There's nothing to talk about there. Mike Evans, Michael Pittman. Like, yeah, they're all great. But 
let's hit on Justin Jefferson because he is coming back from a long-term injury. I feel like he's been gone forever. Since he's been gone. Yeah. Now, you haven't ranked at five. I haven't ranked at seven because he's Justin Jefferson, right? You, you don't – you really can't rank Don't question the JJ. But – are we a little bit nervous at all? What are your expectations with Justin Jefferson coming back in his very first week? It's against the Raiders. How are you feeling? So here's the thing. I think from a health perspective, he's got to be a full go. Like this team seemed oh God, very he was like cautious. Ready to come back three weeks ago. And, just- and well, the team seemed like he, they're like, well, he seems pretty ready, but like Justin Jefferson was like. I am not coming back until I am better than I was before, which, dude, you're reaching. (laughs) But so I think from a health perspective, he's going to be 100%. I don't think there's going to be like any sort of limitation in terms of his production or his participation, I'll say. But my biggest question is coming back. Jefferson's probably had like some limited work. Like, remember, the last time Justin Jefferson was playing football, he had Kirk Cousins at quarterback. He's so never like, not had Kirk Cousins at quarterback. That is a great point. So you have Josh Dobbs, who's coming in, limited reps. Josh Dobbs, like, they had activated Justin Jefferson's practice window. So, yeah, like, limited limited work with Josh Dobbs. Sometimes it takes a little while for that connection to develop. And Josh Dobbs, he's already started – started that process of that connection with other members on the team. So you're obviously playing uh, Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Well, I'm interested to see what it looks like with Josh Dobbs. Maybe he's not a top 10 wide receiver. We don't know yet, but it's hard to say anything else until we see it. But what about Jordan Addison then? Because, you know, when Jefferson went out, everyone was, you know, thought Jordan Addison was going to have his huge breakout. It didn't really happen. He was getting a lot of targets. But it didn't really turn into very many yards. So, I mean, he's had over the last four games, 52, 69, 44, 39. Now, maybe that's because of Josh Dobbs, and maybe that is something to worry about with Jefferson. But I don't know if Dobbs can feed both Jefferson, Hawkinson, or not even saying both, all three, Jefferson, Hawkinson, and Addison. Yeah. Now, I will say, I didn't even think about this with Hawkinson. I just ranked him high because Hawkinson's been amazing. But Hawkinson has got a ton of targets with Jefferson out. Maybe that does hurt him a little bit. I think it might it might hurt him. But also, you you think of what Justin Jefferson does to open up the offense. So like, there it just feels like there's a million range of outcomes. This is why Josh Dobbs is a good play because now he has Jefferson at like Addison being your two is so good. And then when you move, like he already has this connection with Brandon Paul. Now he's like your four. Not even like five because you have Jefferson, Hawkinson, Addison, KJ Osborne, and then Paul. Like, so he has such great weapons. He's got a cornucopia yeah. of weapons. Yeah, Josh Hobbs is a good play this week. Let's, let's move on because I need to ask a question to just everybody out there who does rankings for fantasy. Every week I go in to do my rankings and you can start with the consensus rankings and then kind of, you know, change them up how you want to with how you feel rankings will be, right? Brandon Ayuk is always ranked so high, like always in the top 10. And I, I got to move him down. Now, I, I typically have him still ranked in the top 15. But I will say outside of a few weeks, I mean, in week one, he finishes the wide receiver two in the week. Awesome. Week four, wide receiver eight. Cool. Wide receiver four in week 11. But besides those weeks, it's been 64, 36, 33, 37, 20, 19, 28, 19. I don't know if he deserves the every week top 10 ranking. Like, I don't really get it. I think that's fair. He's finished as a top 15 wide receiver just three weeks this season. Debo has finished as a top 15 wide receiver five times. And he, Debo's missed nearly three full games. So I, if anybody should be ranked highly every single week, it should be Debo. No, I think Debo Samuel is a must start. I have them back to back this week. Uh, Debo at 12, Brandon eight. Debo Samuel destroys the Seahawks like always. I I think literally you're ranking Brandon Ayuk 
highly because of upside and because of he has scored a touchdown every single game over the last four weeks but those are the this is what's even scarier the endings i just gave you now there was one wide receiver four in there but the other is 19 28 19 that was with scoring a touchdown yeah that's pretty crazy because he scored in four straight weeks so what if he doesn't score like it's gonna be real bad but I, I get it. You're like you're still gonna play Brandon Ayuk. I, it's upside. I this still, offense I have him is upside. Wide receiver sixteen. It's not like I have him low. I just don't understand why he's just considered this like absolute start every week. I don't think he has to be. Like if you have a DJ Moore or a Debo Samuel or I don't know a Chris Olave. Like I don't know if that's who you'd be studying. But like there are other options that maybe you would be playing over Brandon Ayuk. Nico Collins against the Jets or Brandon, Brandon Ayuk. Ayuk. We're going to get into Nico Collins. That matchup is brutal for him. But before we do that, let's let's move on to Chris Olave because we have a pretty difference of rankings here. I have him at wide receiver 13. You have him at wide receiver 21. The I mean, over the last four weeks, he's been much more consistent than he was to start the year because he's only finished as a top 12 wide receiver just two weeks this season. Never higher than wide receiver eight on the week. So it hasn't been a high ceiling for him. But the last four weeks, he's been consistent at least, and I'll take that. Wide receiver 11, 9, 18, 17. Cool. The reason why I'm plenty fine putting him at 13 instead of like 17, 18 is because of Jameis Winston starting. And I do think that makes a difference. Now, I'm that hasn't been ruled yet that Jameis Winston is the starter. It seems but, like a yeah. It seems if, like a lot. If Derek Carr plays, they need to investigate that because – that's this is his second concussion in a month that would be wild but in a very small sample size Olave has averaged over 17 yards per reception with Winston this year only 12 and a half with Carr like Winston's going to throw deep because he doesn't care <laughs> he doesn't care if he throws interceptions and the thing is Derek Carr throws interceptions throwing short so at least Jameis Winston is actually trying. At to least Jameis Winston gives you some yeah. upside there. But I mean, each of the last three weeks, 94 yards, 114 yards, 119 yards. I do think his opportunities for touchdowns and bigger plays are much better with Jameis Winston. So I really love Chris Olave this week. I do think this could be the first week he ends as a top five wide receiver on the se- like this season. God, it's so sad what Derek Carr does to fantasy wide receivers. Um I to be fair, Devonte Adams is very good last year. Yeah, because he had 18 million targets. Yeah, it was very low yards per reception. But Chris Olave, a love the talent, love the pairing with Jameis Winston because YOLO, like that's the name of the game for Jameis Winston, and I think his upside's a lot higher because of the YOLO factor. My only hesitation just comes from the matchup, like. We've talked about it before because the Carolina Panthers have been an offense that you could or a defense that you can run on. We see a lot of teams just kind of strategizing towards that and and emphasizing the run and not necessarily having, you know, as many pass attempts than you would necessarily yeah, like. Yeah, but Alvin Kamara can't really run, right? Like, he can get some catches. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really think they have the best run game. I, I they think- definitely don't have the best run game, but – I just wonder, is there going to be enough there? Earlier in the season, I'll probably end up moving him up. He had 86 receiving yards, and I I think he can do better with Winston. And and remember, Winston maybe hasn't had a ton of starts with the Saints against Carolina, but he had a ton of starts with the Buccaneers against them. So I'm just, I don't know. I I really like Chris Olave this week. A guy I... I'm worried about, very, very worried about. It's There's two of them, actually. It's Calvin Ridley and Nico Collins because they both have terrible matchups. Let's start here with Calvin Ridley because he gets a new quarterback. It's no longer Trevor Lawrence. Well, that we know of, right? It, it seems like he's very much likely going to be out this week, and he should probably be out for at least a few weeks. I mean, that injury looked serious. There's nothing in my heart that believes that my ankle sprain is like, and it looked like a really bad one. So I, I don't expect him back anytime soon. Hopefully, like if the Jaguars make the playoffs, he'll be back plenty of time for that. But this is going to be a CJ Beathard game, and it's against the Browns in Cleveland. I hate that for them. Tough 
like super tough matchup. The Browns have allowed the second fewest fantasy points per game to wide receivers this season, only more than the Jets. And last week when Beathard came in, Ridley saw one target, one reception for negative four yards from Beathard. And we already know Ridley has been highly inconsistent this entire year. So I I don't want to risk it with Ridley. Could it end up being great like we saw with Jamar Chase with Jake Browning? But Ridley's not at Jamar Chase's talent level. No, but I think what you could maybe count on is the fact that Christian Kirk is out. He's dealing with a like core core muscle injury mm-hmm. or something. Um, so like there's a I think a non-zero chance we don't even see Christian Kirk again this season. Yeah. But that's and, more for like Parker Washington. He came in. Yeah, but more. Denzel Ward is coming back. So Denzel Ward's going to be in Kellen Ridley with CJ Beathard. I I do not think this is a good matchup in a full PPR scoring format. Though I think you might get a, enough volume to sustain him. But no, I'm not excited about Calvin Ridley. No, at all. And then when Nico Collins it stinks, right? Because Tank Dell's out and. I mean, he nine or more targets in each of the last three games. I mean, yeah, Nico Collins is a baller in the last two games, 191 yards and a touchdown and 104 yards and a touchdown. Like, you know, the upside that he has, but he has to play against the Jets secondary. And it's not that the Jets have just allowed the fewest fantasy points per game to wide receivers this year. The gap is massive. They are allowing five fewer points per game to the position than anyone else. 22.7 22.7 points per game they're allowing total like to all wide receivers are facing i know and we just said week. we're fading the the you know jaguars wide receivers because they're going up against the browns and the jets are 27 yeah so it's a five point gap and then everyone else just goes up slowly from there so the jets are by far by far the best at this now we know nico collins is you know that big play guy could he be huge maybe but it's super, super risky. It's risky, but there's no, like, unless... I, I'm still playing him. I feel better playing about playing him. Nico Collins over Calvin Ridley. Oh, easily, easily. I still, like, I don't know if it's blind faith. I still have Nico Collins wide receiver 15. I, like, I don't think I there's any... wide receiver 18. Okay, so you're just being dramatic. But I do you think look, it could be a really bad week for him. It could be, mm-hmm. but you look at Nico Collins, you look at the fact that, again, Tank Dell out for this team could see another bump in targets. I already mentioned nine or more targets in each of the last three weeks. But when you look at his production, he is ranked among the most elite wide receivers in the league this year, which take that for what you will, right? Like how much – can an elite wide receiver do against this defense? It's obviously going to be challenging, but I don't think we're talking about a middle of the pack wide receiver. He is producing at an elite level among wide receivers with 30 or more targets. He ranks third in yards per reception, fourth in yards after the catch per reception, third in yards per route run, fifth in passer rating when targeted. He has been elite this year. Yeah. I mean, he's been amazing. And now with Tank Dell gone, he should only be better you know one guy that's not getting any better? Cooper Cup. And mm. I know he came through with the touchdown last week, so it didn't end up being miserable. But he had six Wide receiver rece- 20. Woo. Okay. Six receptions for 39 yards, but he got the touchdown. So it ended up being okay. The weeks prior, the five weeks prior to that, wide receiver 61, 75, 46, 87, and 82. Those are not playable. No, like, you cannot play those guys who are ending that low that often. And last week does not make me feel any better that he had just six receptions for 39 yards. And then he just scored the touchdown. So that in it's against the Ravens. Ravens are allowing the fourth fewest points per game to wide receivers this year. Now Puka is dealing with some injuries. Maybe more targets go to Cooper cup, but then that just allows the Ravens to focus in on him more. And Cooper cup clearly is not healthy. Yeah. I don't think he's healthy. Period. That last week was just the third game all season long that he has had more than 15 fantasy points in full PPR formats. Like, this is not the same Cooper Cup. And I I think I talked about this on last week's show. Like, just all of the metrics you look at for Cooper Cup tell you that he's probably not 100% healthy. You're looking at the, the deep target rate, which is 
much higher than he's seen as his in his career. I think that affects his efficiency level overall. Oh no. Yeah. Now one guy you really like, and I want you to talk me into him. It's Jaden Reed, Packers rookie wide receiver. You have him all the way at wide receiver eighteen. So would you play him over guys like Calvin Ridley and Cooper Cup? Do you feel better about yes. him? In this matchup, who are the Packers playing this week? The New York Giants, which is a nice matchup for wide receivers. Tell me why you feel good about him. I really like Jaden Reed this week. And, it, like, again, I might just be a little bit too high. But you look at opportunity, right, like against this defense that is favorable to opposing wide receivers – Christian Watson, big freaking shocker, dealing with an injury, dealing with a hamstring injury that looked pretty nasty. Yeah. Christian Watson's been pretty heavily involved over the last few weeks. Seven or more targets in each of the last two games. Uh, he and Jaden Reed, you look at their production, they have been the Packers' go-to guys, the best receiving options against man coverage this year. You look at... Romeo Dobbs, almost all of his production this year has come against zone coverage. You're looking at the Giants who play one of the most man-heavy defenses in the league. I do think that's an opportunity for Jaden Reed to to show out. Christian Watson only kind of emphasizes that further, but you know, a, a lower concentration of uh, or a lower dispersal rate of targets, you know, we're going to see a little bit of that concentration factor without Christian Watson there. And Jane Reed's been good. Like, uh, yeah, I no, I like that. I, I don't have him ranked too low. So I, I have him ranked as like a good flex play this week. But I do like Jaden Reed, with, especially if Christian Watson's definitely out. I do like Jaden Reed a lot this week, and I'm plenty fine playing him over guys like Cooper Cup. And Romeo Calvin Dobbs, Ridley. he has totaled just 31 receiving yards against man coverage this year. Not great. Giants deploying man coverage, second highest rate among NFL teams this year. Could be a down week for Mr. Dobbs. Yeah. All right, let's finish up today's show with tight ends. we got to get into our most dreaded position. But – there, there's some good guys. I don't know. There's some bright spots this year. Yeah, I love how we're just talking about Travis Kelsey slowing down, and we still both have him at tight end one easily. Like every week, just put Travis Kelsey at tight end one. And against the Bills, you know they're going to need him. So Travis Kelsey, number one. TJ Hawkinson, even with Justin Jefferson come back, coming back, he's still our tight end two. We both have Sam Laporta at number three. Huge week last week. And then after that, I think things get a little bit more interesting. Now, I, I want to talk to you because Dawson Knox is going to be returning for the Bills. Does that worry you moving forward with Dalton Kincaid? Because since Dawson Knox has left, Dalton Kincaid has been an every week must start. We still have Dalton Kincaid both ranked as our tight end five this week. But should we be a little bit more worried about Knox coming back? I was like, I'm a little bit worried, but not super worried if you are actually looking at this from a logical perspective, which I do think the Bills coaching staff is trying to do. Like they are trying to look at this offense, get the ball to their best weapons. You look at Dawson Knox in the three games prior to him landing on IR, he had 15 targets to Kincaid's 10 over that three game span. He was so inefficient on those targets. Kincaid caught all 10 of those balls. All 10 of his targets. I, mean, I think we can clearly see Kincaid's some more explosive, better well, tight Well, obvious, team. but I'm just saying, like, you, when you looked at the the offensive game plan, I think that it what should have favored What does worry me is Kincaid. he might steal touchdowns, right? And Kincaid has only scored two touchdowns on the year, so it's not even like with Knox gone, he was scoring a ton of, ton, ton of touchdowns. But at least you had that opportunity. I do think Knox, they'll probably use him more in the red zone and near the goal line. So I think that's the only area it's really going to hurt him. But keep plugging in Dalton Kincaid. We'll see how it goes. Obviously, if Knox ends up stealing a ton of his targets, we'll have to reevaluate. But for now, I feel pretty good about still going with Kincaid. And then Evan Ingram, you have him at tight end four. I, I have him high at tight end eight. But I will say this matchup is scary mm-hmm. against the Browns and with a backup quarterback, C.J. Beathard. But with Beathard, he did have four targets and four receptions last week once Lawrence went out. So that was, what, not even a full half? And he he got that amount. So it did seem like Beathard really liked going to Evan Ingram. But the Browns are allowing by far 
by far, far the fewest points to tight ends this season. Only at five, five point nine fantasy points per game allowed to tight ends, and that's all tight ends that they're facing each week. That's the combined points. So not great. No one else is allowing below eight points per game to the tight end. So it's massively different. But with Evan Ingram, I feel like he is kind of more of that athletic, bigger wide receiver than that typical tight end. Yeah. And I like, again, you look at the potential for volume, not just the, you know, the fact that Beathard seemed to look toward him a lot, but this team's going to have to involve him, I think, a bit more heavily in the game plan without Christian Kirk. Last week, tight end two. Don't mean to brag. Called him my tight end four last week as well. Wow. Um, and and showed out at like this is a, a much tougher matchup, but I do think what he may lack in terms of efficiency in this game, he might make up for in terms of volume. And yeah, even in this bad matchup, I think he just especially in PPR leagues. If you're in a standard league and you need him, like he scored his first touchdown last week. <laughs> And I like you look at, you know, the the idea of Calvin Ridley and, you know, CJ Beathard given some of those YOLO shots. I don't I don't trust him as much to give Calvin Ridley those opportunities. I think he's gonna want to take those somewhat safer yeah. underneath throws, you know, over the middle of the field to Evan Ingram, who yeah, I think Ingram's a fine play. I haven't tied him at eight, so it's not like I think he's going to be super high. But I think this is right. going to be the best fantasy performance we're going to see from a tight end against the Browns all season. Okay, I like that. What about Dalton Schultz? He missed last week for the Texans with the hamstring injury. He returned to practice today on Wednesday. Limited. Yeah, so if he does start... Is he a good start against the Jets? So the Jets are allowing the 10th most points to tight ends. They're amazing against wide receivers. We already talked about that. So CJ Stroud is going to have to utilize the tight end position, whether it be Dalton Schultz or Brevin Jordan, if Schultz misses. But are you comfortable playing Schultz coming back from this hamstring injury? Uh, if he's active, I think you have to. But that's kind of where I'm at. I'm not excited about it, but I think – you know, CJ Stroud has shown too much tendency to get the tight ends involved at this point, which has been great. Like he has been all over, yeah. uh, all over Dalton I think Schultz. He's going to need to like, so if Dalton Schultz ends up being out, I think Brevin Jordan's a great play, mm-hmm. but yeah, Dalton Schultz is a little bit risky because the hamstring injury, but if he's active, I am starting him now two guys, Isaiah likely he comes back from the bye. We saw him get his first like big chance right before the bye. With Mark Andrews gone, he had four receptions, 40 yards against the Chargers. You want more than that. Yeah, but he does have a really nice matchup against the Rams this week, giving up the third most fantasy points per game to tight ends this season. Or would you rather just stick with a guy like Cole Komet against the Lions? Also a nice matchup against tight ends. Cole Komet's the tight end six on the year in fantasy. Pretty shocking. I'd prefer Cole Komet. If I have both of them on my roster, it's going to be Komet. Um, I think just probably a, a relatively safer floor, I think, and a, a higher ceiling. I, yeah. I think on both fronts, he's probably the way to go. It, both have favorable matchups. I, yeah. I will say I have one sneaky play here to end this show. So let's say you have Trey McBride. You have to find a tight end off of waivers, or maybe you've been depending on Logan Thomas, the two guys on by. Maybe you have an injury, whatever, or you just don't like your tight end. Kylan Granson, Colts tight end. He gets the Bengals, and the Bengals against tight ends are straight garbage. Garbage. They're allowing the most fantasy points to tight ends this season. And then since week eight, these are tight ends against the Bengals. So George Kittle had 149 yards against them. Dalton Kincaid had 81 yards and 10 receptions. Dalton Schultz, four receptions, 71 yards. Pat Fryermuth, nine receptions, 120 yards. And then Evan Ingram last week, 82 yards and a touchdown. They are just giving up so many yards to tight ends. And the thing with the Colts is that they use four different tight ends, right? So you don't feel super safe playing any of them. But Granson is a guy that's had by far the most targets and receptions on this team. He's the only one to have more than 20 targets or more than 10 receptions. And he has 
a, a good amount over both of those. Last week, he had 72 yards on three receptions. So you know he has a big play-making ability. I do think Kylan Granson is a viable start this week. I risky, like the spike. Risky. Uh, I think that's a great word. Risky, but sometimes you got to yellow. I got a Jameis Winston it. Yeah. If you're, I mean, if you have Trey McBride, you probably have to find someone off waivers and there's not going to be very many options. Yeah. And I think Kylan Granson is an opportunity this week to have a huge game. And that ends our week 14 rankings. Woo. Woo. All right. Good luck to everybody this week. Huge, huge week. I hope everyone gets into the fantasy playoffs. If you have any questions at all, hit us up on Twitter. You can find me, Michelle, at Bob Blastem, Bob Blast E-M. And you can find me, Kate, at Kate Majuk. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.